Has Netflix screwed you over? Have they canceled your favorite show? Are they just stringing you along? Maybe you're entitled to a settlement. <laughs> no, just kidding. But I'm pretty sure we're all in an abusive relationship with Netflix. And we have been for a very, very long time. Welcome back to In Medias Res, where this week we're going to be talking about Netflix and kind of the streaming model in general. And if you don't already, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get notified every time there's a new video. So just to give you a little backstory into my life and streaming, um, I was like ground floor of Netflix back when Blockbuster was still like the creme de la creme of video services. Um, you know, back in the olden days when you had to, you know, get in your wagon and go down the dirt road to Blockbuster to individually pick out VHSs and DVDs. Um, that's when I started using Netflix back when it was you get a DVD in the mail um, you send it back and you get another DVD. Well, it was during that time they started experimenting with streaming. Um, this is before really everyone knew who they were. They practically invented streaming. And I do mean practically because they didn't actually invent streaming. Um, that was the porn industry who is the inventor of all things media. And then Netflix kind of made streaming popular. Well, I started using it then. So I've kind of always been on the bandwagon with Netflix. And I was along for the ride with Orange is the New Black, House of Cards, Arrested Development. I was really kind of there through all of their growth. And as someone who is thoroughly obsessed with TV and movies, it seemed like the perfect thing. I could watch whatever I wanted to, for the most part, whenever I wanted to, for just a small fee. Well, that small fee has now um, grown just as consistently as they have grown. And now I can't seem to watch anything that doesn't get like canceled right underneath me. The first show for me that kind of was like the knife in the back was Sense8. It was a show that I personally thought that the world like needed. Um, you know, not only because it was a story that was being told globally, but it was so diverse. Um, it was so well written, not to mention it had like that, like kind of light sci-fi, but at the end of the day, it was really a good story about kind of human connection and how people can come together, um, across the globe, um, through different religion, different lifestyles, different everything. And then, in my opinion, since it was unceremoniously canceled, um, and it was kind of the real first big cancellation, because at the time, Netflix hadn't really canceled any of their original shows. And then it kind of became a domino effect, and then it seems like they cancel almost every show they put out, unless you're Stranger Things. And there's still some shows that I'm a bit bitter about. Sensei is one of them, but more recently, Santa Clarita Diet. That one was a real um, kind of knife in the heart. Um, three seasons ended on a cliffhanger, never got a conclusion. My husband really did. He, feels, he still feels broken about that one several years later. But it just kind of makes me wonder, like, what am I holding on to? Because quite frankly, I walked away from Stranger Things. Um, it took 
too long for the new season to come out. I still haven't watched it. Um, it's been probably almost a year at this point, I guess. I gave up. After, like, waiting three years for the new season, I'm like, I'm done, you know. I. It's already bad enough that you watch the season basically in, like, a day or two, if not a few days more than that. And then you have to wait a full year or more for the new season to come around. By that point, I feel like I need to rewatch the old season and remember what happened because it's been so long. And then you turn around, and now it's, what, two, three years later when the new season finally comes out, and I'm like, I can't be bothered to care. Which is kind of where I'm at with Netflix. I feel like I'm being strung along um, because I keep saying I'm going to cancel, I'm going to cancel, I'm going to cancel. And I've been saying it for years. And then something new comes out that makes me want to stick around. You know, it was Stranger Things. And then I gave up on Stranger Things. And oh, no, then The Sandman came out. And oh, wait, now they've promised season two of The Sandman. So I guess I'll stick around for that one. Oh, wait, Shadow and Bone was good. You know, and then I talk about cancellations. And then, oh, look, season two comes out March 16th. I need to watch that. And I feel like that's kind of where I'm at. I know a lot of people probably are too, where it's like, what value am I getting apart from the kind of every so often there is a top tier good show that comes out where Netflix actually throws their kind of weight marketing behind and just, just to keep you around because they keep canceling all of these other shows that they put out for one season. They don't market it and then they cancel it. Um, and there's been dozens of shows like that, that you've never even heard of, but someone somewhere got attached to that show. And then they come along and then they complain that they're losing subscribers. Oh, it's not as um, valuable as it used to be. They're not making as much money. They've taken on a lot of debt. And you kind of can't help but wonder, did you do it to yourself? Um, when Netflix came along a million years ago, it was kind of the idea that they were kind of breaking the mold for filmmaking because it was the first time that you could pay for a flat fee, get a ton of content in front of you. And once they started doing original content, you were getting like top tier, top talent content directly to your home, easy peasy, on demand, whenever you wanted to. And there were no ads. And their kind of big thing was to compete against network and cable, which is where you pay the monthly fee, you get all a million channels and all these other things, um, but the budgets aren't as good. You know, there's the censorship, um, and I do mean that in the sense of like PG, this and the other, no nudity, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then you've got ads and, you know, it was a hit or miss with shows and they were disruptors. They wanted to change the industry. Um, and they did. Um, you know, for years, they were kind of on top of their game succeeding. And then the rest of the industry finally caught on. They're like, oh, maybe the streaming thing is like a thing that we can do. And then every company known to man in Hollywood poured all of their money into streaming. And it broke TV and not in a good way. You know... HBO launches its own HBO Max, um, which was riddled with errors like the day it came out. Um, and now here they are canceling things that have already been filmed, that the money's already been put into, that never will see the light of day. They've removed shows from their services that were already done on the service. And 
quite frankly, is losing all goodwill that they have um, from audiences and Hollywood in general. And now you hear stories about Star Trek Discoveries canceled potentially because Paramount is cutting back on streaming um, costs. Disney is cutting down on the amount of content they're going to be putting out. Um, and so on and so forth. But everyone is now talking about putting out an ad tier. So basically we've reinvented TV like 10 years later after everyone was like streaming better. Now here we are back at square one with the same old, same old. Well, the difference is we're paying probably more money for a billion different services with a bunch of people who don't want to market anything and then just rip all the content right out from underneath us. And I'm a little bitter about it because I got invested in all of these services. And there's only a couple that I still hold on to that I, I think have retained their true genuine value. And um, one of them is like Crunchyroll, which is like the creme de la creme of anime. Um, I think worldwide, if I'm correct, probably the thing that gets the most use in this house. Um, because I've become bitter about a lot of streaming services. And I just, I don't know, like, I feel like I'm in a, like in an abusive relationship, like they keep doing me wrong. Yet, I keep going back to them. And I'm curious if anyone else feels that way. Um, but it didn't just disrupt the way media was presented. It disrupted the way media was created. So gajillion years ago, um, so a long time ago, there was a lawsuit, um, the United States versus Paramount Pictures, um, which completely changed the landscape of Hollywood. At the time, studios owned theaters. So what they would do is they would create pictures using their contracted artists, which they would then turn around and play in their theaters. So it was like straight vertical integration down from the talent to the writers, to the directors, to everything. They were all contracted to individual studios that then played at their individual theaters. So independent the movies were like not a thing. And then there was a landmark case saying that studios could no longer do that. They could not create a product and then play it at their own theater. So at that point, theaters became independent businesses. And so you would have to distribute to all the theaters which then opened up the world for what could be created. And that's been the case for pretty much forever since then. And then you introduce streaming and there's been a lot of conversations about whether that was a similar idea because you have Netflix creating content that is then only displayed on Netflix. And some have argued that that's vertical integration. But in doing so, it has created a lot of issues behind the camera. Prime example, one of the big paychecks for creators, especially above the line talent, which is like your director, actor, writer, producers, etc. They got residuals after you hit once something becomes syndicated. So they would start making money based on how often it played. You know, shows like Friends, Cheers, Seinfeld, you're talking Buku to Bucks because those play like crazy in rerun. I mean, even still now to this day, the Friends cast is still making an obscene amount of money because of how syndicated Friends still is on, well, everywhere. But with Netflix, 
and the quote-unquote new media, they don't get that money, which is bad for everyone involved because of the fact that you get a paycheck up front for that time period. And movie and TV can take a long time to film. And you're not paid per day when you're higher up. So like as a writer, for instance, you're contracted to a certain amount of episodes and you get paid per episode. Um, actors, higher up actors, you know, like your talent, um, it's kind of the same thing. You're getting paid like per episode, you know, you kind of get to a point once, you know, the people kind of lower down the rung get day rates and they get paid daily. But it can take a very long period of time for something to occur. By that I mean work. It can take a long period of time for something to be created. And if it takes you six months to do something and then you don't get any pay on the back end, um, you kind of can lose out, lose out on a lot of money. Um, especially when maybe it took you like a year or so just to create something and you couldn't find work in the meantime. Um, and the rates aren't as high because of that. So you're basically getting paid the same amount without the additional pay. And part of the reason I'm complaining about that, because I know it seems like, oh, well, they're still getting paid on the back end. Normal people get paid for doing the work. But the difference is those rates for SAG, the Writer's Guild, the Director's Guild, the Producer's Guild, etc., were negotiated the way they were because of things on the back end, because of the fact that you get residuals. And you can have a buyout for your likeness. It's just a flat fee for an, extend, an extended period of time. But usually that comes at a higher cost up front than, say, what the residuals were would be gradually over time. But things are starting to change. So Netflix has notoriously never released their numbers. So um, people don't know what kind of viewership they have apart from how many subscribers they have. But no one knows how many views things are getting what the criteria is for Netflix canceling stuff, the whole shebang. But this year, basically all the contracts for the unions are up for renegotiation. And one of the big things is viewership. Everybody wants those numbers because they want those numbers to be able to renegotiate for costs, residuals, etc. And that brings us to today. Here we are being abused by Netflix, being abused by streaming services, and we still have to wonder, why are we here? Netflix came along and wanted to disrupt the way things were done in Hollywood. And they did. But we now have worked our way backwards. And we're back to a traditional model. And for a lot of people, it's like, if I have to pay more to get rid of ads, and that combines to more than, say, like, cable, why not? Just go back to cable. Where's the where's the disruption? If you have proven that your model has failed, why are we still here? Why have we decided to stick around? You know, we're the consumer. We're the product is the film and the TV, but we're the ones who do it. And I think that I think that companies are kind of ignoring us especially when you look at companies like HBO who are kind of treating their talent horribly. I mean, can you imagine working on something for an entire year just for it to disappear into thin air and no one ever get to see it? It's absurd. 
and I don't know what's going to happen with streaming. Um, I think that it's going to yet again warp into something new because the fact that everyone's like, oh, well, well, you know, streaming's not profitable. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I don't necessarily agree with that statement. I think there are kind of some solutions. Um, one, don't create as much original content. Netflix doesn't need 500 new originals every year. Um, I also think a smaller curated library could also be better. I don't know how you all feel, but I hate this like endless amount of choice. I scroll through Netflix for freaking 20, 30 minutes to an hour, and I can never seem to find anything. And partially because it's just too many choices. And you always wonder, oh, am I going to make the right choice? Um, am I going to watch the thing that I want to watch? Am I going to like this? And I think when you have a smaller curated choice it becomes easier to make a decision you know you're not endlessly scrolling because you don't have the ability to endlessly scroll you know if you have ice cream in front of you and you really want ice cream and all you have is chocolate vanilla and strawberry you're gonna pick one it won't take you that long to figure it out so i think that's something that could be done so smaller curated libraries we don't need as much original content but we also should stop shaming the traditional model there's nothing wrong with broadcast. There's nothing wrong with cable. I think they're still very great mediums. Um, but also at the end of the day, and as a filmmaker and an actor, I also think that we should be treating our talent with more respect. Um, I think it's incredibly horrible to let someone take their show around, pick you as a network, to work with only for you to unceremoniously cancel something after one season and never really give anyone an explanation why like that's not cool and i know that sometimes as a viewer and as a filmmaker those kind of lines get blurred for me and i know for people watching and as a viewer you making a decision about netflix is different than me because i also know what it's like to be on both ends of that on the camera so That's kind of where I'm at with streaming. Maybe it should have stuck with porn and we should have just all continued on our lives <laughs> going to Blockbuster. But that's a whole different that's a whole different story. Side note, that company was actually ruined by someone. They didn't just like not keep up with the times. There's a documentary. You should watch it. It's quite fascinating. Abusive relationship with Netflix. Maybe it's time I walk away. I don't know. Shadow and Bone does come out in a few weeks, and I really kind of want to watch season two, so maybe after that. But then there's always Sandman season two, and Stranger Things season 36. I don't know. Well, that's been it for today and my rant about streaming. I don't know. <laughs> It felt a little bit more like a rant than it did about like a well thought out discussion. But say la vie. Um, comment below. Let me know if you are having the same issues with streaming. Because I'm curious as to other people's opinions that exist outside of my kind of weird um, intersection of being a filmmaker and a viewer. So comment below. Um, 
Don't forget to like and tell all of your friends about me and this channel. And I'll see you next time. Bye!